Yay! Amen! Woo! You guys excited? Yeah. You know, actually, I believe we're 15 and a half years old as a church. I think this is probably the first Resurrection Sunday that I'm preaching in Emeryville campus. Benjamin hoarded. <laughs> Just kidding. If you would arise with me for the reading of the word of God. Jason, can you make this higher, please, for me? We're going to look at three passages today, a little more. We're going to start with John 11, verse 25. And then we're going to jump to Luke 24, 5 through 12. And then John chapter 20, verses 14 through 16. So John eleven twenty-five. 25, it's short. So why don't we all read together? Ready? Go. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Luke chapter 24 Starting at verse 5, you could hear, just listen. Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Everybody say risen. risen. Remember. Everybody say remember. remember. Look to your neighbor and say remember. How he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb. Everybody say, Returned from the tomb. Returned from the tomb. And told all these things to the eleven and all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other woman with them, us women, who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales. And they did not, everybody say, did not, did not. believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. One more, John chapter 20, starting at verse 14. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus. Everybody say, saw Jesus. Jesus. Standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it? You are looking for, thinking he was the gardener, she said. Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see Jesus. Empower us to turn away from the tomb, from the dead things in our lives, to turn towards Jesus. But not only see Jesus, but actually see him as Jesus, to become aware of his presence. Hmm. God, give us your perspective. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now. Don't we, well, I can't walk around today, okay? So I'll know my boundaries. Don't we make big deals out of smokeless? Don't we make mountains out of molehills? Don't we do that? Especially as women. Kevin, I'm not going to lie. You know, when I see that sock on the ground, over and over again. It is as if it's life and death. And I treat my loving, handsome, godly husband as if he has some kind of disease. We make such big deal out of small things. But then we ignore the real big things. Don't we do that? Don't we do that? Right? I ignored my toothache for months now. <laughs> Benjamin kept saying, go see a dentist. Uh, 
but I'm crying about this one little thing, right? I have freckles. I got another freckle. I'm looking at them. Look, look, my, my, my H spot. I'm making such a big deal out of this H spot that really is nothing. But I'm ignoring this toothache, which I finally, everybody say finally, finally. went to go see a dentist. Kevin, this week, I'm going back to get a root canal. Aww. Daniel told me, if you don't go soon, a few, few months ago, he said, you could avoid getting a root canal. But if you don't go soon, and I even ignored Daniel. Wow. Now I'm going to get a root canal. You know why we make such big deal out of small things? Do you know why? Because our flesh wants, automatically we're drawn. We become aware of negativity. There's positive things happening at the same time. You know, your husband losing 25 pounds. Good and bad, they coexist. Your husband, usually in 20, 19 and a half years of our marriage, his dieting never lasted more than two weeks. <laughs> For the first time, it's been more than a month. Wow. He lost 25 pounds. Good things are happening. Yes. <laughs> but I am so mad at him. Why did you leave the crumbs again? I cleaned it last night before I went to bed. When did you wake up? <laughs> And I see crumbs, bacon, crumbs, bacon and eggs, and he lost 25 pounds. Right? You know what I realized? Especially after coming back from Mentawe, whatever you are aware of determines your experience. Whatever. If you become aware of positive things, your emotional experience Mm -hmm. is positive. But when you experience negative things, no matter how small or big, your emotional experience is negative. Mm -hmm. Hmm? Remember last year, or beginning of this year, I preached about lenses of favor? Depending on which lens you wear, your perspective is different. Remember I told you about my sister and I, we took my mother to Hawaii? Well, actually, our mother took us. She paid for it. But I carried her bags. I gave her foot massages every night. And I had to go back and forth every day, every 10 minutes to get her medicine, food. Oh, I don't like that food. I can't eat that food. If I wore lenses of favor, I'm in Hawaii, guys. If I don't wear that, whoa, what am I doing here away from my husband? And my, if, my, if my husband was there, you know who would have went down to get food? You know who would have carried the bags? Depending on what you wear hmm, determines your emotional experience. Remember seven months ago in September, I was preaching and I said, Guess what, you guys? We're moving in with my mother-in-law. 47 years old. I'm almost 50. We got IRS bills. We just emptied our savings to pay 2016. We don't have enough money for 17 and 18. So we're going to move in with my parents. My one reality, what was real, was I'm almost 50. I didn't have enough money to pay the debt. And I had to move in and live with my mother-in-law. You know what? That's embarrassing. Can I just be real? Yeah. I, it was embarrassing. The, the, the shame that I felt emotionally was real. At the same time, what coexisted was God's word to me. We had just come back from Mexico mission trip. And in Mexico, he said, what looks like a setback is a setup. You guys remember that? We, I preached on that too. What looks like a setback is a setup 
by God. The setback that they experienced, having to go back and forth to redo the paperwork, that was a setback, it felt like, but it was a setup so one of the orphans could be reunited with his brothers, with her brothers that she, he lost five years ago. And so God says, Sonny, it's not a setback. Yeah, Don't be embarrassed. Yeah. I'm setting you up. Yeah. I'm going to empower you to pay all your debt, and you're going to own your own house. Who was there when I preached that Sunday? Even though I'm moving in with my mother, I'm going to stand before you and say, Debts are paid, and we bought our own house. Who, who heard that? As of Thursday of this week, we moved into our new house. <laughs> our very own. The two realities were real for me for seven months. But what I chose to become aware of determined my emotions, my experience. They co exist. Life and death, they exist every day in our lives. The key is, what are you choosing to become aware of? There's power in your awareness. There's power, say power, in my awareness. And do you remember I preached a sermon called Forgive Quickly and Bless Generously? Remember I told you these people were accusing us falsely? Our friends were accusing us falsely? And you know, to me, that's like injustice. You know, like, I'm nice to you, but you're telling people I'm mean? Come on, like, you know, you receive blessings from me, and you're, right? But in that moment, that accusation was real. It really exists. People really talk mess. But the other reality that existed was, Sonny, rejoice. The more falsely they talk, the more I will bless you. He told me, your vindication is not for me to curse them. Your vindication is your blessings. I will bless you. The more they talk, don't just rejoice. I can't help but to bless you more. Which reality? What people are saying or what God is saying? I have a choice. If I choose this, I'm miserable. I feel betrayed. If I choose this, I rejoice. More, more, do say more, say more, because I'll be more blessed. Hmm? Lenses tell you what really matters. What kind of lenses are you wearing? Don't I look cute in this? Huh? <laughs> The both worlds are real. Yeah. They exist. Yeah. Hmm? Are you going to live with victim mentality? Something is wrong or something's about to go wrong. I don't belong. Look around. There's nobody my age. Guess what? We have all ages. Yeah. The truth is, right, we have from baby to elderly, right? The, but if you say, but there's nobody my age, which are you going to choose? Victim mentality, I'll never get married. Really? I'll never make it. I'll never get a job. I'll never, I will never, I will never. Victim mentality. And you know what? Even if God blesses you, like, tomorrow, today you're still miserable. Right? Hmm? Or victor mentality. Even though what your eyes see looks like it's falling apart. You know in your soul, in your spirit, all is well. Jesus still reigns. It's a setup, not a setback. Let's look at Luke chapter 24. Verse 5, it says, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is reason. Isn't it crazy that we are more aware of the dead than the living? You know, my friend who's an MFT, you know, she did like, neurology study, they say in our brain, right, it's like we, we, our brain is like a Velcro to negativity. Anything negative happens, somebody could just look you, look at you the wrong way, and it gets stuck in your brain, and you remember it forever. But somebody could be blessing you, right, with smile, hug, gifts, right? The positivity is like it bounces off. Oh, thank you for a moment. And then five minutes later, you forget. Right? You know why? 
Because we keep going back to the tomb. Always seeing something wrong. Often, often, we look for the dead even among the living. You come to church, life, and all you see is, oh, they haven't, why are they doing that? Oh, right? You see death in the place of living. Hmm? God is saying, turn away from the tomb. You know what's crazy? Okay. Maybe they're both here. Yeah, they're both here, but I won't look at you when I say this. Did you know in the last two months, two different people from two different countries saw Jesus here on Sunday? They actually saw Jesus. Just here, within one month. From two different countries, they don't even know each other, but they saw Jesus. Sons and daughters of God who believe in God, in Jesus. When was the last time we saw Jesus? When was the last time we were aware of his presence? Hmm? Remember, everybody say remember. 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 The angel's like, remember when he said that he had to die, then he was going to rise again in three days, remember? And then they said, Oh, yeah. Verse 8, and they remembered his words. Often, God already told you. He already told me. He already told me that it's a setup, not a setback. But oftentimes, I have to keep turning away. I think I'm choosing life. And then, and then I find myself in front of the tomb. Ah, woe is me. Oh, wait. Turn. God is saying, Away from your tomb, from the things. Remember what God said? Remember? Remember? Hmm? He already told us. Hmm? And the scripture says these women that went to cry, that went to look for dead Jesus, saw the tomb empty, and they were still crying. (gasps) The angels had to come and say, why are you looking for the dead? I mean, for the living in the, among the dead, Ugh, right? Two angels, but they're still crying. After angelic visitation, instead of, wow, angels appear. Angels appear. Bright, white angels, but they were still crying. Until they turned, the scripture says, they turned away from the tomb and they saw Jesus. The only way for you and I to see the living among the living is for us to turn away from our tombs. They coexist. There are things that are alive in you. There are things that are dead in you, in your family, in your situation. But God is saying, turn away turn away. It takes intentionality and discipline to turn away from the tomb. And when she turned away, she saw Jesus. But she didn't recognize him as Jesus. You know, often when people come to us for pastoral counseling, especially husband and wives, you know, we give them godly counsel. And often, often, like 80% women say this, right? I'm going to look at men when I say this. <laughs> Often, 80% of women say, that's not going to do anything. I try, but he doesn't change. Mm. He's never going to. How come I have to always be the one? And he, he doesn't. Blah, blah, blah. Right? Mm-hmm. Often. And you know what? They're right. <laughs> <laughs> they're right. Most of the time, they're the one who's praying. They're the one who's asking their husbands, can we please pray? Can we please seek God? And the husband's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Right? And they're like, I tried. It didn't work. And now they don't even want to try. But you know what? Often, 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 even though you're doing the right thing, you can't see the living because you are so used to the dead. 
you're so used to the date things in your husband mm. that even when you do the right thing, you still can't see the living. But you cannot turn back to the tomb. You have to remain, turn away from the tomb. Mm. Because in time, as you turn away, you will hear the voice of God saying, Chinwe, mm. Mary, Emily, Sylvia, you, he, you will hear his voice. And when you hear his voice, you will be able to see Jesus. Hmm? Philippines team returned two weeks ago, you, or last week. Two weeks. But last week you did the um, presentation, right? And they talked about a man who had a constant cough for a few years, right? God told us before we went out, that we're going to meet a man who's struggling with constant cough and that God was going to heal him, right? And so God told Joyce that. So we said, okay, let's look for a man who's coughing, right? And then she said, there's going to be a, a lady named Maria wearing yellow dress who's pregnant who grew up Catholic. Okay, so let's look for a pregnant woman named Maria. So as we're going through the slums, we're, we're, we're looking like treasure hunting. And we saw this man coughing from the second floor of this shack. So we call him down. And as Joyce is praying, he's like coughing and not like barely walking. And as she's praying for him, God heals him wow. instantly. And he comes out, right, repenting and believing in God, right? When you heard that, did you believe her? Or did you doubt? <laughs> Were you like the disciples and said, ah, oh, that's just idle story, idle talk? <laughs> or do you really, did you really believe? And did you hear about when we went to building two that you and I have been praying for for five years? Did you guys tell them about building two? So if you remember, building two is the slum area where everybody went there to do drugs, that they can't even afford recycled food. Right? So we started the feeding program. Remember, they had a shack that we were, who, who fasted and prayed with us, our missions department, for God to destroy that shack? The shack, raise your hand high so people would know. This shack, every night, their family members would bring in three, four, five-year-old girls and boys and sell them for the night sexually so that they could buy more drugs. Do you remember last year we shared about there was a fire in building two? Guess what, guys? We became a witness. When we went back this time, that building two became like one-third size, yeah. one-fourth size. And there were, every time we went past five years, there were little kids, like five-year-old doing drugs, teenagers doing drugs, right? And the shack was right there. When we went this time, nobody was doing drugs. The shack was burnt down, mm. and the kids were playing. Come on, let's praise him. God answered our prayers, right? Right? That's powerful. But when we hear, when we see visions of Jesus, when we see here about people getting healed, do we believe? Do we believe? Or do we doubt? Hmm? So after Philippines team came back, Sharon and I, we went to Mentawai, Indonesia. If you remember, if you've been here for a while, we've been to, we, went, we started going to Mentawai nine years ago, and they had primitive villages where the leaders are like witch doctors, like they're all naked except for the private area, and they have like tattoos everywhere. And these villages had no churches, right? So we've been going back every year, sending a team, you know, uh, buying our uh, pastor over there a canoe boat, right, so he could get to villages, villages through the river. Well, so Sharon and I went from Manila to Malaysia, went through the customs, took our bags out, put it back in, went to the right gate after many hours of waiting, got on the plane, went to Medan, Indonesia, got off, 
went through the customs, got our bags, meet the rest of the team there, get on another flight to go to Padang. And then once we got there, we had to spend the night and we have to get our bags again and we have to get on the ferry. I don't know, five, six hours, right? And then once we got on the ferry, we got to Mentawe, but then we got, had to get on the canoe boat to go from village to village. And when we got on the canoe boat, right, the sun was shining down upon us, I would take my clothes off. No, I wouldn't. But I would show you how sunburned I am. <laughs> I was peeling. My, my, you know, it looked like I had dandruff because my, my scalp was peeling. Okay. You are used to us by now with TMI. Too much information, right? <laughs> by the third village, Sylvia, every, every time we approached the village, it poured. On, we got soaked. And we walked around, we prayed for people, and when we were leaving, it rained. And then when we got on the boat, the sun was like burning down on us, right? It was hot. And then when we got to the second village, it rained, and we got soaked. We weren't ready for any of that, you know? And we had to walk through the mud, right? And then we had to walk through these man-made, like, bridges, but it's not really a bridge. It's just a plank of wood that's shaky, right? I don't know, I don't know. Sylvia, like nine years ago, that was exciting for me. <laughs> this time, it was not exciting. It was hard. And I'm thinking, maybe I'm just getting too old. Maybe I need to just hand it over to these young kids. We got to the third village. And I've been traveling so much that I had diarrhea. And I couldn't, I tried to hold it through the first two villages, guys. I really did. Because, because I just didn't have what it took to go to the bathroom in those villages. So I was holding it. But by the third village, I couldn't. And by the grace of God, this third village, which you and I sowed into and prayed into, has half-built church building. And around the corner was a bathroom. And I went in. I was like, Sharon, you're, they all had to go. I'm like, I got to go first. I went in, opened it up. Millions. I mean, multi-millions of mosquitoes filled that little shack. And I said, God, I can't. I I just wanted to just cry. I, I can't. I had a mosquito repellent. I took it out. For two minutes, all they heard outside was For two minutes, I'm holding and I'm doing this. I think maybe that got rid of like 10%, 20%. They should thank me because I went first. I'm so sorry for those of you that hate TMI. <laughs> but, you know, I just couldn't wait anymore. And you know those bathrooms where you do this? <laughs> and they're everywhere? I was like this. No, get away! Get away! No! No, Jesus, no! <laughs> Sylvia, you should have seen me. Jesus! <laughs> Everything soaked inside and out, sunburned, and I'm not having fun. And at least, like, those, like, gospel moments, you know, somebody gets healed and delivered, and, right, those moments makes it worth it, right? But every time we, like, I saw an opportunity and I tried to act on it, God said no. I was like, why not? I felt restraint. You sent me all the way here and you don't mean to, what? It's, I was so not used to it. I felt so ineffective. I just felt old, not anointed, not powerful. I didn't understand why God wouldn't let me pray for certain people. It was just so difficult. But you know who had it harder? 
was the, our pastor over there, Pasarivu. You know what he had to do? Because the river was so low, after a while, he would have to get off the boat, push us into a little bit deeper area, get back. He did that like 50 times. Oh, it's not moving. Get off, push us, right? And the rest of us American missionaries were sat, sitting there. Do you need help? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, okay, okay. All right, so he's pushing us. One time, one time after that rain that welcomed us, right, like there was a current, right? I was like, what's going on? It's like low, and then there's a big current, right? And then out of nowhere, pa- Pastor Pastor Rubo jumps off. He goes underwater. I'm like, oh, oh no. He goes underwater. <laughs> and then he comes out. Uh, I was troubled. I was like, oh, right before my eyes. And he's like, I'm like, what's going on? And then I realized our boat was, our canoe was going to go capsule. And so he sacrificed himself to jump off and hold it down so we wouldn't capsule, right? So, I mean, capsized. <laughs> capsized. You know, I, I was miserable, but when I saw Pastor Ribu, Pastor Ribu, I, I felt so bad. I was like, Americans come here trying to help you. <laughs> we said, we're missionaries that's going to help you. We worked him to death death from morning till <laughs> night, right? And he was barefoot. He didn't even have shoes, right? And, and, and he's like, we're like, ah, ah, and he's like just, you know, in the mud, right? <laughs> and holding our hands. So after everything was done, after everything was done, I said, and we were all, we were all talking, oh my God, right? Oh God, it was so hard. And then when we got to the last vill- uh, pastor's village, it was like, Pasaribu, Pendetta. Ma'af, we're so sorry. We're so sorry for everything you had to go through. Pushing this big canoe full of big Americans, right? (laughs) We're so sorry. And you know what he said? What he told us, we were like shocked. And we just stood there for a little bit. Like, wow. When we apologized, this is what he said. He said, it's small. Everything we went through today, everything I had to do, it's small. Because Jesus died for me. Now look. You can look at me now. For pastor in Indonesia, you know why? That all day of suffering was small to him. Because he lived that day with the awareness of what Jesus did for him. He was fully aware of the price that Jesus paid for his salvation, the price that Jesus paid. You know what I was more aware of? Hot sun. You know what I was more aware of? Millions of mosquitoes that I hated. You know what I was more aware of? My aging. And when Pendetta Pasaribu said, everything we went through today, in a good chill, it's small. Because Jesus died for me. Because, because Jesus died for me. You know what I realized as I was looking at this? That death, the cross, the shame was public. But the resurrection was private. For you and I, same thing. When we experience struggles, death, shame, it's very public. That's why it's more embarrassing. People see our failures. People see when we fall. People see our lack and our seasons of the cross, our seasons of death. It's so public. But if you look at the resurrection of Jesus, I was going to show you the video, but it's okay. The resurrection of Jesus, even in this movie, here, the cross, everybody saw him. The resurrection, nobody saw Jesus. On Friday, Benjamin preached and asked, what's more powerful, the death on the cross or, res- or the resurrection on Sunday? What's more powerful? And often we would say, of course, the resurrection. It's easy to die, but it's harder to become alive once you're dead. But for God, eternal, almighty God, Dying is more difficult than rising again. That it took more power 
for Jesus to remain on the cross and die for your sin and my sin than to get off the cross, than to resurrect and ascend. Hmm? Often we cry about, we, we live our lives in the tomb because what was public and we were waiting there. Where's the resurrection power, God? Where's my breakthrough? God, where's my breakthrough? We, we remain looking at the tomb. Where's my breakthrough? Where, God, where's the resurrection power? We stay there thinking a, a lightning will come from heaven. Hmm? In reality, even God, when he resurrected, it was private. The scripture says, to those who believe. To those, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is released to those who believe. If we remain in the tomb, we possess the resurrection power of Jesus. But it doesn't become a reality. To those who believe. Hmm? Quiet power. We think resurrection power is trumpeting loud. But it's quiet. But it's powerful. You know what I hear God saying? I see life and death in you all the time. I see you failing sometimes and choosing death. But I also see you choosing life and trying your best. You see, when God sees each one of you, he sees the tomb and the resurrection power. He sees the dead and the living. But you know what he says? But every day, every day, son, daughter, I choose. I choose to be aware of your living, not your dead. God chooses to see life in us. He still sees our weaknesses, our lack, our failures. But instead of living as God from the awareness of your failure and my failure, he's saying, I choose to be aware of your living, of your faith. And today, God is asking us, will you also choose? Will you turn away from your tomb? It starts with day-to-day small things. Choosing to turn away from little tombs in our lives. You know, like the socks on the floor. <laughs> when you see the sock, to turn away from that tomb and see life and the living in your husband. You understand? You look at your child and you see the dead things. Why? I told you a million times. How many times I have to tell you? And you're still in those moments to turn away from the tomb and to see life. Wow, you're so powerful. You're so good, son. I love you. I believe in you. I'm proud of you. You know what God is saying? I know you, most of you, I know you believe in me, but the challenge is choosing life and little things every day. Not just praying that one prayer, Jesus, come into my heart, but choosing every day to turn away from the dead things, to turn away and to see Jesus. You know what I sense? God, I, and I preached this last Sunday at Sons and Daughters. Often, we come to God with so much controversy. Yeah. Because, you know, the spirit of this age is the spirit of offense. Yeah. Have you noticed everybody's offended by everything? Right. And I'm not even talking about non-believers. I'm talking about blood-bought Christians. Yeah. You know, everybody's offended. I'm offended by what it says here in the Bible. I'm offended what God said over there. I'm offended, pastor, that you didn't do this. I'm offended that you do this too much. Mm. I'm offended that leader didn't hug me. I'm a spirit of this age yeah. is constantly trying to influence us to choose the tomb, to choose the dead things. Even when we are among the living, the spirit of this age says, but look at that. Yeah. 
God healed you of cancer. Yeah, but your pain, your arthritis pain, The spirit of this age says, God, I have controversy with this thing. God, I don't, why would you let, if you're a God of love, why, why would you let this happen? Why wouldn't you come through faster? Why, God? And we're constantly coming to God, pointing to the tomb, pointing to the dead things in our lives, and accusing God, even though often 99% of the time is because of, of your or mine my decision. Hmm? I have controversy with this, God. But God, he's saying, I see your failures. I see your lack. But you know what he says? But I have no controversy with you. I come in peace. I come in love. And God is saying, will you allow the spirit of Christ to influence you. Spirit of this age. Spirit of Christ. They coexist over your life. Who's influencing your emotions? Because depending on who you submit to, your eyes will become aware. There's power in your awareness. If, even if you're not preaching, prophesying, huh? Even when you're not doing spiritual things, when you stop to become aware of God's presence, you could be just walking by doing mundane things and hug somebody and God release his healing power. Hmm? There's power in your awareness. But if you allow the spirit of this age to say, I can't say yes to God because I have controversy. I don't understand this. I don't get this. And you allow the spirit of this age to keep you in the tomb. Hmm? Even when you're doing the spiritual things, hmm? there's no power being released. I want to have a worship team to come as I end with John chapter 20, verses 14 through 16. Here, Mary, she turned around and saw Jesus, but did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? I want to ask you, whom are we seeking? Whom are you seeking? Why are you here on Sunday? Whom are, oh, God, really? Whom are you seeking? Hmm? She, supposing him to be the gardener. You know, isn't it crazy that even when Jesus comes and reveals himself, yeah. we can't even recognize him. Yeah. And we think he's just a gardener. Mm. And he said, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him. She's still looking for dead Jesus. Hmm? So that I can take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said, Rabboni. I could see that moment. We just visualize with me. Mary mourning the death of Jesus. She loved him so much that she went to the tomb. Even if he's dead, I want to be close to his body. And he's there. She's there. She's, he's nowhere to be found. But then he, she sees Jesus alive, resurrected. Just imagine that moment. Mary seeing Jesus. 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 That moment where your eyes are open and you realize that Jesus was right there next to you all along. Jesus, who's alive who's God, who's real, is for you and is with you. And he's saying, daughter, son, will you turn away? Here, let me help you today to turn away from the dead things, to turn away. I want you to close your eyes for a moment and imagine yourself as Mary, where you are in life. 
I want you to think about some, some dead things in your life. Maybe to you, it's lack of faith. Maybe to some of you, it's a child that's acting out. What are those dead places? Maybe some of you, it's financial. Maybe some of you, it's relational. And you've been carrying this tomb, trying to store up as much faith as you can. But you know, dragging dead things, they're so heavy. It's heavy. You're trying to find faith for the dead things, but it's been too heavy. I want you to imagine yourself carrying that dead thing. Like Mary in the tomb or in front of the tomb. And I want you to imagine Jesus standing before you, calling your name. <laughs> My child, Rumi, Corrine, <laughs> Joyce, imagine Jesus calling your name. BJ, Isaiah, calling your name. And in order for you to see Jesus that is living, you got to let go of that tomb. You got to turn away from that tomb. And you will be able to see Jesus. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now. That you would empower us to turn away. Maybe some of us, a certain beliefs and values that just keeps us from fully turning towards Jesus. Fully trusting in God. Fully saying yes to him. He's right there. You've seen him. You've felt him. But you still can't accept him because of the things that, the dead things that you've been holding on to. But right now, God is inviting you to turn away. You don't have to understand it to turn away from that tomb. It just takes a leap of faith to turn away from the tomb the dead things and to become aware of the presence of Jesus the presence of living Jesus you see often we hold on to things because of pain but if you see it through the perspective of kingdom it's little any could chill any could chill any kachil, your physical reality that seems so hard compared to the kingdom reality of what God is saying, what God is inviting you to, it's small, it's small. So today, will you let go, turn away from the dead things of your lives and turn towards the living God, Jesus, and become aware of His presence. With every eye closed, I want to ask you, maybe some of you, you're here because your friend or your mother or your family member made you come. But you heard the word of God. And you have the opportunity to make your personal decision, not because of your friend or your family member, but because God has made himself real, because God has revealed himself to you. I want to say yes to Jesus, maybe for the first time. Maybe you've walked away from God and you lived among the tomb, among the dead things. And God is calling you. God is saying, son, daughter, I've been waiting for you. 
Come, come turn away from your tomb. Come live with me. I am the resurrection and life. And you want to say, Jesus, I want to come back to you. And you want to make that decision. Will you raise your hands? And we'll pray with you and for you. I see that hand right there. Anybody else? I see that hand. Yes. Yes. You see, you're, you think this is just you thinking. But you raising your hands, it's eternal decision. It's God is delivering you from the tomb, from the dead things. And he's saying, let me release life. Let me release life. Yes. I see that hand. Come on. A few more minutes. Anybody else? I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. Yes. Today, you can. I see that hand. Today, you're turning away from the dead things. You're saying, I want to choose Jesus. God, I want to live. I've been living. I've been breathing, but I've been dead. I haven't enjoyed life. But today, I see that hand. I want to choose life. I want to turn away and actually live again. Yeah, I see those hands. I want to ask everyone to stand. And I want you to pray this prayer with your brothers and sisters that have made this decision. I, I want you to say, Jesus. Jesus. Come on, everybody. Jesus. Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. That you, that you are alive. That you are God. That you are God. And that you are for me. You are for me. And not against me. Not Jesus. You are, God, you are God, and you died for my sin. So today, I choose to turn away from the dead things, to let go of the dead things, and I turn towards you, and I open my heart, and I choose you. Today, I choose life. I thank you that you receive me as I am. That you love me as I am. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name.